0: on to the science fiction. Story number one. Upas and Rainbows. Written by Old Cipher. Day 57. A small creature native to the planet has finally taken an interest in me. I've watched them come and get closer every morning when I first waking up. This morning, one of them has actually on the windowsill. I could have reached out and touched him. I say him, but I really don't have a concept of the genders, but did not fear or scaring off the entire tribe. They typically run around one-half to three-quarters of a meter tall, completely covered in fur with large black eyes. They seem as comfortable on their forelegs as on two. They are quite skittish, as most small mammals on Earth are, but they still show a great deal of prudence and caution when investigating an unknown creature such as myself. This morning, they arrived at my shelter in the ground of seven or so, a dreadfully difficult and properly count them all as they scamper and hide as soon as I gaze at them for too long. I've never seen a group larger than nine that I could tell, nor a group smaller than three. They seem to have some manner of language, but I cannot divine the meaning. The translator I have brought along still reports insufficient corpus. Their high-pitched chittering it was most be intelligent communication, though. I can feel it in my bones. Day 96 I have been on this unexplored world for what I think is three months, but I must break myself out of this Earth-based timekeeping. The days here run nearly 20% longer than on Earth, and there are three major satellites visible to the naked eye. Seems foolish to still use the term month in such a circumstance, but we are creatures of habit. I have decided to name the small mammals the Pupres. I realize it sounds childish and not very Latin-like, as the other species we encounter are named. However, as I am to discover, I believe that I've earned the right of a bit of childishness. I recall the name from my childhood. My sister and I would play in the woods behind the house. We invited a race of fairies who lived near us, and that was what we called them, as these small creatures remind me of those better days. I've chosen to reuse the name. There is one pure bird in particular who I've come to recognize as the most curious— or perhaps the most foolhardy. I called him Brownie. His fur is deep, walnut hue with the caramel highlights. He comes the closest when they come to visit. I've taken to feeding them various nuts and berries I find on my exploratory walks. I dare not try any earth food on them for fear of a terrible reaction, much as chocolate is fatal to dogs. I am wary of even the most benign treat may prove troublesome. Rowdy has taken to coming with arm's reach of me while I am working outside. I have offered to pick him up, but it seems that his curiosity has its limits. Speaking of my work outside, I have decided to build a cabin near the waterfall further inland. I plan to sink a paddle weed generator in it so that I may disconnect from the fusion reactor I brought with me. This experiment was intended to show self-sufficiency, not the ability to use our same technology on other worlds. Though I do admit the quantum printer is far too useful to abandon outright. The work is hard, but enjoyable. I've selected the most likely looking local lumber for the construction along with a solid stone foundation. I admit that I have cheated on certain parts of our experiment and used lifter technology to aid in placing of stones. This should invalidate the results, but it will save my spine. Day 151 I've made my first breakthrough with Brownie today. As it turns out, he has a remarkably facility with languages. My translator still struggles with the Poper's vernacular, but Brownie understands me well enough. He has been watching me pull the cabin above the waterfall. As I work, I have taken to talking to him as I would an old friend. One afternoon, as I was planting a tree for eventual use in my dining room, I mentioned that I could use a drink. I had no more said the words than Brownie scampered off with my canteen and filled it from the river. The water was cool, and I was quite shocked to say the least. I began more deliberately teaching him vocabulary, names of things that I had in hand, and a few simple verbs. Brownie's quick mind snapped up those lessons nearly as quickly as I could construct him. By that evening, my cabin had made no further progress, but Brownie could correctly identify all the items that I had taught him—stones, trees, rivers, hammer, and so forth I went to bed that evening with a mind buzzing of possibilities. Day 172 Rowley shocked me once again today. We have continued his lessons of English, and he has been an excellent pupil. Today, though, I had to move on to the vocabulary to diction. Rowley had begun imitating the words I had been teaching him yesterday. His voice is much higher than my own, but it is still intelligible. There were a few other purpers standing to the side, watching as he initiated his first conversation. I was, needless to say, overjoyed at hearing Brownie speak out his first sentence. He said, Blueberries, please. I have been using the native plants as inducements to keep their attention and discover that Brownie has a decided preference for the blueberries. I shall attempt to garden when their growing season arrives. I try to elicit further conversation with Brownie with only marginal success. He seems to not comprehend complex sentences, but can easily grasp the meaning of more putative constructions. Don't run or need water and the like. Day 201 Brownie's grammar is improving by leaps and bounds. It seems a lifetime ago that he began speaking. Since then, he has become much more fluent and erudite. Just this morning, he told me, We are friends, we like you. I was nearly moved to tears. I have also been made aware he is teaching a few of his compatriots English. A second pupa came close to me today and asked for grey nuts. There is a species of what I can only assume are nuts that grow wild throughout the region. This new fellow, whom I've taken to calling Winston, is quite as studious as Brownie, but uh, nonetheless has become conversant. The remainder of Brownie's people seem to be least understand English, but still require translation to their native tongue— I cannot fathom why my translator has all but given up on the Puyper language. Perhaps I shall retire that device and rely on the Puyper's facility with languages instead. Day 233 Something terrible happened. It seems that the Puypers have some sort of natural predator near their water edge. I had not known that the beast until yesterday... It seems that these creatures are migratory and only pass through this region once per year. The start of the caravan came just after luncheon yesterday. Before I go into detail on the incident, I feel that I should describe these predators. They are some three to four meters long, with a footy a third of their body length taken up by a massive tail, which can expand vertically to form a sort of rudder while they are in the water. They have long, vicious snouts that carry dozens of small, sharp teeth. Their eyes are recessed under their heavy brow, giving them a most intimidating air. They are colored to match the greens and browns of the water and the forest's edge. They have broad, flat feet appear webbed. I say appear webbed, for I have not yet captured one, dead or alive, for detailed examination." Their bodies, however, are streamlined for ease of swimming, and their amphibious nature makes them all but more deadly. I cannot help but think that there is some strange crossbreed between an alligator, a shark, and an anteater, even though I know that those animals have never been within a trillion miles of this world. The predators feast upon the Pupas and become fat on them, I find myself at a crossroads. This is the natural order of things on this world, but uh, I do not wish my friends to suffer. I could, most likely, devise some way to keep the puerpers safe, but may cause the predators to starve, or the puerpers to become overpopulated. Man has been the cause of enough environmental damage on earth, and I would hate to bring such a lineage to this world. The incident was unexpected attack by the predators upon the poipers that were visiting the future site of my cabin. The beast took half of the small mammals before I could intervene. For all their size, they are frighteningly fast. Browdy and Winston both survived, but I feel that it was more luck than anything. The poipers are off and I have not seen them since. Day 247 It has been two weeks since I last saw the poipers, though the predators seem to be lurking about every time I look out the windows. One or two will crawl from the river banks, search for a bite to eat, and eventually return back to the water from whence they came. The whole process repeats half an hour later with the new brace of monsters. I am still deciding on the name of these creatures as I feel I cannot simply continue to call them the beasts or predators. I miss my little friends. Day 255 I have decided to call the river predators Bowens, after the Celtic River Goddess. Day 268 The light has come back into my world. The Bowens seem to have appeared less frequently now. It is rare that I see more than one a day anymore. I believe I saw one of the Puripas standing at the edge of the woods yesterday, just at dusk. It was difficult to see in the waning light, but the large dark eyes felt unmistakable to me. I have been working on a diversion for the Bowens. I believe that they are merely passing through this region and would not suffer too great should I deny them a repast at the shores." I do not know that their full migratory pattern, but I firmly believe I shall see them return this way at some point, just to geese and salmon to unearth. Though, whether they are creatures, make seasonal, annual, or decennial, or some other singular period migrations, I cannot say. However, I intend to be ready for them when they return. Day 274 the boopers have returned and the bowens are no more. Brownie tells me that they come down from the headwaters once a year and gorge themselves in boopers. They never see the bowens return back upstream. So, it appears I have sufficient time to enact my plan. I ask Brownie how the bowens survive the waterfall. He told me that they do not know and they see many bowen bodies washed up on the shore downstream. I shall investigate this further when the next Bowen's migrate past my cabin. For now, I am quite happy to have my friends back. The cabin is coming along nicely. I've erected a structure and I am not working to move the last of the furniture in. The temporary shelter that I brought along served its purpose, but uh, I am glad for the extra room. Brownie and Winston seem to approve of the new place and have been coming around more of late. Day 362 I have been remiss in my journaling. As I approach the first Earth year, though not the first local year, I find myself reminiscing. The first major news of import is that I had incorrectly gendered Brownie as male. I found my mistake when she had given birth to a litter of pups in my pantry. It was dark, cool, and safe, and I can see why she chose the spot. Winston, the proud father of a set of beautiful children, Brownie was hesitant to let me in for the first few days after the birth, but finally relented as the children opened their eyes. The second news item follows the first. Brownie and Winston and their children have moved in with me. Permanently, it seems. I am glad for the company, but I find myself terrified of setting my foot down lest I injure one of the children. They are quite small and quicker than one would imagine. I considered belling them for a time, but could not convince Brownie. I have instead erected a small barrier to my room which should prove sufficient to keep the children out. Their final bit of news is that I believe the purpose could be brought up to a level of intelligence and civilization within a generation or two. This is an astounding claim, I know, but I believe opportunity is solid. The children are wonderfully quick of mind. They picked up the native Poipa language within a month or two and were conversing in English by six months. As reckoned by the Earth calendar, anyhow... I have since been teaching them physics, chemistry, biology, mathematics, art, literature, astronomy, economics, philosophy, and other topics that I could fit into their fury heads. They seem to have an intuitive grasp of languages, but require more diligent study of hard sciences. If they could be civilized, they would find vocations through known spaces, diplomats, and translators. I am sure... Day 391. We have completed the Bowen defense system. Charlie, one of Bowen's offspring, offered several magnificent improvements over my design. Of all the children, he seems the most easily to take to the engineering disciplines. Day 627. The Bowens returned last night. All of the Boivers were either safely enclosed in my cabin or had hidden deep within the woods. Late at night, or perhaps early in the morning, depending on how you look at it, the alarm I set was the Bowen activity woke me from my slumber. I threw the master switch that lit up the river bank with a flood of light, and I saw the Bowen writhing in the muddy shore. We had installed a number of pylons out into the middle of the river. The installation had begun far upstream from us and gradually angled out to a deeper water. This would still allow the bowens to pass, but would keep them safely away from my side of the river. The pylons were a little more than shaved and sharpened tree trunks, but it served well enough to force the large debris and animals away from my cabin. We also entrenched a palisade upstream, as was where the pylon line reached the river bank. The bowens would then be forced to either venture far deeper into the woods than we had ever seen, or they would be forced back into the water. It was quite an undertaking, and it took most of the year, but we were glad for it. Finally, the last line of defense was a wire mesh on the ground between my cabin and the river, extending many meters both upstream and down. We passed the word that the poipers would stay away from my cabin and the river until the Bowen season had passed. We received little argument on that point. This night, however, found a single Bowen either too clever or too foolish for our simple guideline trees. He discovered the folly of his ways when his massive weight completed the circuit and electrocuted him on the river bank. I watched through his vital death throes under the brilliant lights and I had installed. I left the corpse of the bowen where it fell for several days until I could no longer stand the stench. His body served to notice to all other bowens that would think to intrude on my fiefdom. Beware, this is the river, for it brings naught but death. Rowdy and Winston were overjoyed at the success They told me theirs were maybe the first litter of pipers to all live to maturity. We had a feast that night to celebrate and Brownie told me that the children would like to call me uncle. Then I had to explain to all of them that tears come from happiness as well as sadness for humans. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. Cheers.